0: Section 3 of Lives of the Presidents of the United States in Words of One Syllable This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wes Putnam. Lives of the Presidents of the United States in Words of One Syllable by Helen W. Pearson. Chapter 3, Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, who was our third president, was born at Shadwell, Virginia in 1743 though said to have had as a boy no grace of face or form he still gave hopes that at some time he would be a great man for he was quite apt to learn at nine he was quite well read and knew some greek eight years from that time he went in to a high class at William and Mary College. Here, he spent most of his time in hard work and would read up in his books for the whole day and at times far in the small hours of the night. He soon knew the speech of all lands of his day, and got much praise from those who taught him. While at this school, he was a friend to Patrick Henry, who was known in time as one who could sway the hearts of men with his words. He spoke in a grand way when our first war broke out and did much to stir up all that was brave in our land. In time, Jefferson had a five years course at law and was one of the bar. He soon let all know of what good stuff he was made. His fees were large, and then a year He made friends right and left. In 1760, he heard Patrick Henry's great speech on the Stamp Act. Two years from that time, he took his seat in Congress, and step by step, he rose to be a great man in the land. He had so fine a mind that he soon took the lead of all in that great band. He swayed the minds of all in the most grave things that came up and showed that he was wise. It was he who helped draw up the declaration of independence that made us free. It was the fruit of his great mind and thought, and his name would live for that if he had not done a thing more for our land. Some months from the time he made the draft of this great scroll, he left Congress to take a part in the acts of his own state and for two years and a half he gave up his time to fix on a safe plan her laws and rules so that they would be more just and kind to all men. When the men of his state saw what he had done to help them, they made him, in 1779, the governor of virginia he came to the chair next to his old friend patrick henry and he held it through those dark days of the war when all hearts were full of pain and fear he did much to raise the hopes of all and was a kind and just man to those who sought his help in the hour of need. You may well think that in this time that tried men's souls, he had his hands full of work. To watch those of his own state who had gone to the war, to care for those at home, and to keep the Indians, back when they sought to prey on those who had to live on the edge of the state. All this he had to do and more. Yet in all that he tried, he won in the end. He stopped the reins of his foes and saw that no one who was born in the state should come to want through the war. Jefferson was president eight years and would not take a new term as the head of his state, though it was the wish of all that he should. He gave as his views that they were in need of a man just at that time who had more skill in the art of war than he one who knew more how to guard their lands when dark days should come two days from the time that he left his seat his home and farm were laid waste by the foe and he and his wife had scarce time to flee to a safe place for twelve days the state had no head, and the men that had met with the view to name one who should take Jefferson's place had to fly from the foe that came in a swarm from west and north. Some years later, Jefferson was twice sent to France to try and make terms of peace for our land in England and at last got them to pass a bill in which they said they would look on our land as free. This was a great thing for us to gain and Jefferson had much praise for what he had done to bring it round. In Congress that year, he brought a bill which was put in force. This gave us a coin of our own make in place of that made by the English which had till then been in use. Jefferson had been one of Washington's aides when he was made president and had charge of the states. He had not been long in this place ere Hamilton, whose work was to take care how the coin was made for the land, got in a broil of words with Jefferson. This in time grew to be a strong feud twixt the two men from what we can learn it was not the fault of jefferson for he was a man known to be sweet and kind to his friends it all came from the fact that he did not hold the same views as hamilton on some points in the state laws hamilton thought all was done to spite him Time went on, and, slow but sure, the breach grew wide twixt these men, who should have been friends. Then folks took sides with the two men, and they were known as Republicans and Federalists. These two bands live to this day with much the same names. Republicans then are Democrats now, and the then Federalists are the Republicans now. When England had a war with France, Jefferson wished to lend aid to the French, but Hamilton thought it best for our land not to take sides. So there were some storms of words from both. There were two news sheets put in print each day one on the side of Hamilton and one for Jefferson. Louisiana was bought in the time of Jefferson and our fleets won the day in the sea of the Mediterranean. Peace was made with Morocco and Tripoli, and they were forced from that time to treat all men from this land in the right way and not seize them and their goods as they had done. Jefferson was president for eight years, that is, two terms. When votes were cast for him, Aaron Burr and he had the same sum of votes, so Burr was made vice president. Aaron Burr was a man of great gifts and a fine mind but he had weak points that led him wrong. He fought and killed Hamilton in July 1804. This act stirred up the rage of the folk so that he had to fly from their wrath. He took up a wild scheme to make a grand stir in the world. His plan was to found a sort of throne in Mexico where he should rule with more pomp and state than a king. To help this plan, he made friends of a rich man named blen and his wife, and they gave him a great part of their wealth to aid his wild dream. He meant, it was said, to bring states south and west into his realm. For this they took him and tried him at Richmond in 1807, but did not prove the charge and let him go. He went to London and lived there as a poor man for a time, Then he came back to New York and took up the law once more. But his day was done, and he died a poor man. Jefferson held to state rights with all his might. But in the late years of his life, he said that there were times when the government should show its teeth. One thing took place while Jefferson held the chair of state, and that was when the first steamboat was made by Robert Fulton. We had had all kinds of ships, but none that went by steam, and all were glad that a means had been found to use that great force. The first boat built to go by this means did not look at all like those we have in use on the streams and lakes of our times. It could not go near so fast, not more than five miles per hour when at its best speed. Fulton did not find his task a light one to prove that steam was the best thing with which to move a boat. The folks had a mind to scoff and jeer at his plans, and it was not till his boat, the Clermont, was tried that they felt what a great work he had done. The trip of the Clermont up the Hudson made a good deal of stir as it passed in a cloud of smoke and sparks up the stream. Men were scared when they first saw it pass, but they soon learned the good work that steam might do. When Jefferson was at the head of his state, he sought to do three things. First, to put an end to the slave trade. Next, to have lands left to all the heirs of a house and not to the firstborn son. And third, to let all men have a right to serve God in their own way. In the great school that he built, he thought it best to trust the young men and not to spy on them. He did not hold strict views of faith, and was a man of free thought, though he had trust in Christ. He was for free trade to the end of his life. He held that a man that could not read or write should not have a vote, as he thought the land should be ruled by wise men. Books were at all times his friends, and he was fond of Greek verse. In his home, he was loved by young and old. He had a warm heart and a cool head. He was so poor at one time that he had to sell his books. Congress bought them and took them to Washington, There were such loads of them that it took days to take them to their new home. Jefferson was a man of plain tastes and wore plain clothes. He did not care for pomp and state and had no taste for names of rank. He was kind to all who came to speak with him he held that it was wrong to keep slaves. In his home at Monticello, to which he went when he left the White House, he kept a free house where he was glad to meet all his friends and give them the best he had. His wife had brought him much wealth and land and slaves, but he died poor for he dealt it all out with a free hand. When he was fourscore years old, he was still strong and could ride on a horse ten miles a day. The time drew near for his strength to fail, but his mind was clear. He grew more weak and said, as he lay on his bed, that the scenes of the revolution came to him from time to time he said he felt no fear of the end i am like an old watch he said a spring is worn out here a wheel there and it cannot go long this is the fourth he said to a friend who sat by his bed the friend bent his head ah said jeff first son and a glad look came to his face. He died on the 4th of July 1826 and on that same day one more great man from this life in the state of Massachusetts. This was John Adams whose son was President. A rough sketch was left by Jefferson, of a stone to mark his grave. He wished men to know that he had formed the Declaration of Independence. He was the one who built the University of Virginia, a great school for young men which stands to this day. He was so poor when he died that all his lands were sold in a short time, and the ground where he was laid went with the rest. Next to Washington, he is said to have been the best chief of a free land that the world has known. End of section three, read by Wes Putnam Indian land, South Carolina.